Today, I'm sharing all the best tips for when you are headed to the theme parks in Florida. We just got back from a week in Orlando, and I learned so many things about the parks and the area and the hotels. I'm so excited to share. Whether you have a trip coming up or you're thinking about going to Orlando, this podcast episode has all the info you need to know. We're talking rides, food, heat, timing, planning, clothing, strollers, and more. The Universal Parks and the Disney Parks, Universal City Walk and Disney Springs. So much fun to get into. Let's go. You're listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast, where we're obsessed with life hacks that make your life more awesome. Your host, Lindsay Dickhout, is an entrepreneur and business owner, a mom and wife, and someone who wants to do things over the top at all times. This concept started as a collection of things Lindsay has learned that she was documenting to give to her kids one day, and now it's a podcast. Join us on this journey where we talk about how to be awesome at everything we do. Here's Lindsay. I love doing podcasts about vacations and adventures because what's more fun than planning and thinking about and experiencing a vacation with your crew, with the people you love? Going to Florida theme parks is a trip, not a vacation, I would say. So much fun and so many adventures, but it is far from relaxing if you do it the way we did it, which is hitting a park a day. Um, But just there's so much to do. You're really on the go. Even though we got in some good pool time and some good hotel time, it definitely felt very, very back to back which I love. If I'm going to travel somewhere, I want to experience all the things. I want to get out where as my crew needs a little bit more downtime, understandably, especially the kids, but my husband too. They need a little bit of time in between experiences. So I'm sharing all the things I learned, what I think we did right, what I would do differently next time. Let's start with where to stay and a rental car. I wasn't sure if we wanted a rental car. I had seen the cute little Minnie Mouse SUVs that take you to the parks. And I just felt like, is it worth the extra expense? After going there and doing it, I can't imagine going without a rental car because everything's really spaced out. We live in Southern California near Disneyland. We're only maybe 20 minutes from Disneyland Anaheim. So we've all grown up going to Disneyland here and know what it's like here. So it was very interesting going there. So many people told me, don't go to Magic Kingdom. It's just like Disneyland here. You should go and experience things that you don't have in California. But the reality of it for me, if you live in Southern California, is all the parks, all the Disney parks kind of have parts of Disneyland in Anaheim. Like at Epcot was soaring over the world, whereas that wasn't at Magic Kingdom. And here in in Anaheim, that is at California Adventure. So for me, it was worth going to Magic Kingdom, even though Magic Kingdom is the most similar to Disneyland here. One of the biggest differences is here in Southern California, Disneyland and California Adventure, the entrances to the parks are right next to each other. It's literally like a three-minute walk from the entrance of one to the entrance of the other. For the four Disney parks in Florida... I had forgotten, because it's been quite a few years since we went there, that they are spread out. They are not close together at all. So to try to get a car or get an Uber, 
um, to go to each place, I think that it would take you a lot of time, probably frustration, and I think it would end up costing more money. So um, as far as I'm concerned, 1000% must rent a car, especially if you're going to be jamming to all the different places. There are four parks in the Walt Disney World Resort. And again, they're all spread out, but they're all within the the Walt Disney Resort um, kind of, you know, hub. Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and Disney's Animal Kingdom. Magic Kingdom has the most rides. There are 40 rides there, 25 rides at Epcot. Hollywood Studios has 17, and Animal Kingdom has 21. So lots of rides between all four parks. The only one that we didn't hit that I was super bummed about was Disney's Hollywood Studios. I wanted to do a half day at Epcot and a half day at Hollywood Studios, but after we did the half day at Epcot, it was our first full day there, and my crew was like, "We want it is hot. We're tired of walking. Epcot was not as awesome as we thought it would be. We just want to go hit the pool. And we had checked in the night before. We had seen the pool. We had seen the water side, but we hadn't experienced it yet. So we had the park hopper for that day, but ended up headed back to the pool, which was the right call for us in that moment. But I'm so bummed we never got to experience the Hollywood Studios. Um, but I hear it's really great. People love it. As far as Epcot goes... I didn't realize how much it was based on food and drinks and eating from different places, like eating around the world, I think they call it. So you can get a little card and you go around and taste different things from different areas. The time that we were there was in between cards, I guess, in between programs, which seems weird if that's the primary thing about the, the theme park to be in between programs, but they didn't have them at that time. For me... I really want to experience as much as we can. And because I knew we just had um, a day, but really kind of like a half day at each park, aside from um, Animal Kingdom, we really did pretty much a full day and the Orlando Park, uh, the Universal Parks, we did a full day. But Epcot, we did a half day and Magic Kingdom, we did a half day because it's a lot of walking and Florida is hot. One thing, we went at a great time because it was zero humidity. I thought there would be at least some sort of stickiness and humidity just from all the times I've been to Florida in the past. But it was it was hot, but it was not humid at all, which was really nice. We went to Magic Kingdom in the evening, which I loved. This was one of those days where we woke up. We had done a very full day the day before. We woke up and everyone was white. And they were like, we just need pool. We need food by the pool. We need to chill the first half of the day. And I was like, you know what? That's brilliant. Magic Kingdom I've seen the castle and it looks so different than our castle at home. I want to experience that and the fireworks. So we did Magic Kingdom in the evening, which I will say two things about the lines and the rides. So I think you either need to get there first thing in the morning and hit the rides early, even if you do Genie Plus or Lightning Lane or both. I think you really need to either get there first thing in the morning and get through get through the rides that are the most popular, that are top of your list before the lines start getting long. I find that most people arrive closer to 10 a.m. and usually the park opens around 8 a.m. So I think those two hours are the best for riding rides and not getting those long lines. Or you go in the evening like we did with Magic Kingdom and we stayed until 11 p.m. the minute it closed. And by then, a lot of the families with young kids have left, so the lines are shorter. Here's the thing. With Genie Plus, now I love the Genie Plus isn't very expensive. I've seen it advertised for $15, but I'm pretty sure we paid $40 per person. 
Either way, it's pretty reasonable for the service that you get. So if you've never used it, you go on your app. You can actually, it's funny, here in California, you can't get the Disney Plus app. Go, uh, you can't sign up for Disney Plus until you've actually entered a park. But there, unless that's changed, but there, um, and we have a Disney Pass here, a season pass, so we go often. But in Florida, you could, like, I would wake up in the morning, I would buy the Disney Plus, the Genie Plus um, for all of us, and then I would sign up for the rides. So the way that it works is once you've used, once you've gone on a ride, then it usually unlocks you to sign up for another ride. Or if you haven't gone on the ride yet, you can do another one after a set amount of time, which is usually around two hours. I don't think there's a specific science to this. I've looked it up and I've asked people and I've researched and I think that it varies. I think the price varies and I think the way that it kind of works, how many you can, how many rides you can go on. But the thing is, if you arrive at say 10 or 11 and the lines are already really long, you could sign up for one. Like say you sign up for Guardians of the Galaxy and that's not till 5 p.m. It really locks up your Genie Plus for most of the day. So maybe you can sign up for another one two hours later, but you're kind of always holding that one spot. So you could have Genie Plus for the whole day, but end up only going on three rides using your Genie Plus. So what I like to do is buy it early, get figure out kind of the timing of everything and figure out what you think you can just go and hit first versus what rides you want to reserve the times. When you're using Genie Plus in Florida, they give each person a card, looks like a credit card, and you just scan it as you enter. So you have to go during your specific time. So you sign up, it'll give you an hour window. And as you go on the ride in the Genie Plus kind of fast pass front of the line-ish line, you just scan, each person scans their individual pass, their individual little credit card, which is really handy. That way everyone has their own and it doesn't just work on the person who's working the app. One thing I will say about Disney and the Genie Plus setup is I feel like I'm on my phone all day long when I want to be, it, and I'm and still doing the fun things with my family, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot of planning and it's like, oh, we just got on that, we just got on this ride, hurry, hurry, like book the next one. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of planning all throughout the day to kind of maximize that. They also have lightning lane options. So that's something where say for around $15 per person, you could pay for a lightning lane and that's completely separate than Genie Plus. You don't have to have Genie Plus to get it. Um, it'll just show up on the app and it'll say, if you want to do front of the line, it's a set cost of $15, depending on availability and lines and crowds and all that. So that's another nice way to go and not wait in a bunch of lines. Because the thing is, if you just wait in the lines the regular way, you, it just eats up so much of your day. I think this is something that we can hack and we have to figure out. You either go early or plan to stay right when it right, until it closes and really be smart about the Genie Plus, um, the Genie Plus program. It's by far worth it. And then also look for those lightning lane options as well so that you could try to get on some of those really good rides. Again, it's difficult because there are so many good rides and so many really popular rides. We went in February during ski week. So I think that the parks were extra crowded, although I know Orlando is very touristy and probably crowded all the time. But there weren't a lot of lightning lane. I think we only did it one time. There were not very many lightning lane opportunities, I think just because it was so full and crowded.
So you scan your Disney Plus to help get on all the rides. You can also use the app for mobile ordering, which really helps with food. I think that people go in with two different approaches to Disney and Disney's Florida in particular. Some people go for the food and the drinks and the experience of it. For me, like I said, I wanted to get in as many rides as possible. Our little guy Parker is finally old enough to go on the roller coasters he's been wanting to. So I didn't want to take a lot of time. For me, the food was most of the time just a function of like getting everyone fed so we could keep moving rather than sitting down for those longer experiences. But I think that there are restaurants, especially if you're booking it ahead of time, We booked our trip just a few weeks before, so it was actually tricky to get lunch and dinner reservations. A lot of the places were full, but here are places that I found that have the best ratings, the best food, the best experiences, and um, make reservations. And listen, you can always cancel them. Just make sure you write down. A lot of them require a credit card, or you could do it on the Disney app even. the I think it's My Experiences is what it is on, on, on Disney. Um, and, but just make sure because a lot of them do charge if you no show, but here are the ones I was going to do be our guest restaurant located in the beast castle at magic kingdom. It's French food and it has character dining experiences. I think that would be really, really fun. Um, at Disney's animal kingdom, there's an upscale restaurant, It's called, it's spelled J-I-K-O, The Cooking Place. It looked really cool. It's all, it was in the Africa land, so it's African-inspired food. It just looked like sometimes when you're at parks like this, you're like, I need something other than park food. I want better food. I want kind of the experience of it. That place looked really cool. At Disney Springs, there's a waterfront restaurant called The Boathouse, and it has seafood and things like that, but it also has water, like water rides, water, um, like a boat ride you can go on that you can kind of rent ahead of time. So Boathouse was on my list, but that's at Disney Springs, which is their downtown Disney. So when we would go there, we were at the parks. So it kind of, because everything is spread out, that actually didn't work for us. But let me actually break that down. So the difference between, there are two downtown areas, one by Universal and one by Disney. So Universal City Walk by the Universal Parks is more edgy and kind of more like nightlife and entertainment. The Hard Rock um, Restaurant is there. The Hard Rock Hotel is there. Uh, Disney Springs is more family friendly. It's more Disney. It has a focus on shopping and dining and entertainment. Universal City Walk is more like live music venues and bars. There's also a movie theater and a mini golf course. Disney Springs is more like there's an arcade. Both of them have lots of food options for sure. Um, Disney has more shopping, lots of Disney-themed merchandise, of course, um, and different unique shops. I felt like the shopping at both had lots of different options, lots of different restaurant options. Again, if you're looking for family-friendly, Disney Springs is the place. If you're looking for maybe a little bit more lively with a little bit more of a pulse, Universal City Walk is the place. Um, But that was the crazy thing when we were booking a hotel is they're kind of on different different complete areas of Orlando and Orlando gets busy, you can really get stuck in traffic. So 
when I was booking and when I was researching, I love staying at Hard Rock hotels. I love the music. I think there's an energy and a pulse and I just think it's fun and for they're usually really reasonable and I think as far as reasonable hotel goes, it's just like, it's not like a normal kind of bland hotel. It just has some energy to it. But as I was looking into it, I knew that we were only going to do Universal one day. And that was kind of on one end. And the Hard Rock Hotel is in the Universal area versus we were going to be doing Disney three days. So I decided ultimately to stay closer to the Disney parks. But we still had to drive to Disney Springs. I know, I think if we booked ahead of time, there would have been more hotel options and you can stay right there. You can stay by one of the parks. You can stay by Disney Springs, which is really convenient. But I found a hotel that we loved. And I'm telling you, I was nervous because when I was looking, the hotels were either $300 a night or like $800 a night plus. And there was really no in between. So I read lots of reviews and lots of blogs Um, And I settled on the Hyatt Regency Grand Cypress. It was close to all the Disney parks, like close enough, but I'm telling you, it was great and so reasonable. The beds, which is really the most important part to me, the beds, it was so clean and the beds were so comfy, like all white, like kind of getting into like a big cloud at the end of the day. Love them. It has one water slide, a bunch of pools, little caves and hot tubs a really nice gym. It's just like a nice big property, just a really nice Hyatt. There's only one slide. You have to be 44 inches tall. Just so you know, I know that for sure because my little guy just hit 44. Um, But you can buy floaties there. They have a lake and they have complimentary um, stand-up paddle boards and kayaks and things, but there are also huge signs that say, beware of crocodiles. So I never saw anyone in the lake and I definitely wasn't standing in line to go in the lake, but there is a big lake on property, which makes it even more beautiful. You can see the Disney fireworks from there at night because you're so close. Um, I loved it. I'm telling you, the parks are so expensive that I just, I wanted it to be comfortable for everyone, but I was not going to do a hotel that was super pricey just because all the park hopper tickets with the with the um, Genie Plus and the VIP or just kind of like the front of the line at Universal, all that, it just added up to be so much. And I wanted this vacation to not be a fortune. So I decided I'm going to find the best hotel I can that has good reviews, but it's really, really reasonable so that this the whole budget of this vacation didn't get crazy out of hand. And I'm telling you, I loved it. I loved it even more knowing that it was a great deal. Um, I was looking at the JW Marriott looks really nice. And there's even kind of even more upscale hotels from there. And I was like, oh, I just, I just don't want, I just don't want to spend that much money. And I don't know that it's necessary. And it ended up for us being such a great family friendly hotel. There was a Marilyn Monroe spa there that I popped into and bought something, but that looked nice. Like the whole thing was just like really nice. And I think that there's something so great about offsetting the cost of trips. So We got really reasonable flights. I was able to use partial points for that and some credits that we have from COVID canceled trips. Um, So that part of it was really good. The flights in the hotel was manageable. Everything else was a fortune. (laughs) Um, The park hoppers for Disney, we did a three-day park hopper since we did three days of Disney parks. And then we just did the one-day Universal park hopper. Um, I think all the prices vary a little bit depending on, so I don't want to quote it exactly, but... 
I will tell you that for seven of us at Universal to do both parks and the front of the line, which, you know, is I'll explain that not quite front of the line, but like that express pass thing was over $3,000 for one day. Like I almost lost my whole mind. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to make $3,000? You know how much my first car was? But I knew this is the whole reason why we went there. And so that's why I offset costs in other ways. Also, I pack, speaking of offsetting costs, I always pack a couple boxes of cereal, two benefits. We're not having $50, $60 breakfast every morning. And Craig and I usually aren't hungry. We'll kind of just snack on and we'll bring some healthy little protein bars or things like that. We don't really need a full breakfast. And the kids, I would order like a couple fruit bowls and keep them in the fridge. And I would just order milk. And then we didn't have this big breakfast bill every morning. I really try to be aware of all the different ways that we're spending money and just see what isn't necessary. And so um, I loved it. I packed um, a bag, a Ziploc bag of snacks for every day at the park. That way, you know, sometimes you're waiting in line and you're kind of in a bind and you're like, ah, like, you know, someone's starving or thirsty. So I would always pack a bottle of water and um, snacks in my backpack. And then I brought a couple of boxes of cereal in the luggage. So that made for easy breakfast for the ticket. So park hoppers is great, but you still have to reserve your day ahead of time. So you have to say on this Saturday, we're going to Magic Kingdom. You have to, you have to, even once you buy the park hoppers, you have to say which park you're going to first. Um, for the Universal Park Hopper, now Universal, the two parks are, are right next to each other. It's like a 15 minute walk. If you are already inside one of the parks, you can take the Harry Potter kind of like tram from one park to another. We didn't do that, but it looked really cool. So that'll save you because it was like a, a strong 15, maybe even 20 minute, nah, 15 minute walk from park to park, but they're right there next to each other. So that was really nice. Um, cause it makes it so much more difficult as you know, when going from Disney park to Disney park, if you have to, you know, repark and pay for parking again, when it comes to parking, the regular parking was $35 and the premier parking was $50. Again, my brain was like, Oh my gosh. Like when we pulled up to the first one, I was like, are we really paying $50 every day to park and valet at our hotel was $50 a day. So trying to think about like, what is, you know, cost benefit ratio, is it worth it? Once we started doing the parks, I realized that paying the extra money, which is only $15 more for the premier parking was so worth it because you didn't have to take a tram. It was so much nicer. The premier parking got you really up close enough, um, which is especially convenient if you have a stroller or little ones that like to walk or you want them to walk. It was really nice to be able to to be able to park in the premier parking and then just walk right into the park, like not too long of a walk and not have to take the tram. Cause that just kind of adds one more step and extra time and the timing of it and all that at universal, the front of the line pass is $150 per person. So it's quite a bit more, but it works so much better than Disney. It's, you can just go on so many more things. So basically what you do, rather than having to reserve rides and having time frames, you just you just scan your admission ticket. So everyone has their um, their admission ticket with it on there and you just scan it and go. So you just go up to the front of the ride and you just go in. It makes it so much easier. And I'm telling you, it felt so much better. I didn't want to be on my phone all day organizing everything constantly with the scheduling. It's kind of like you can just go on a whim. You just walk onto each one. Now, the lines were shorter at 
uh, Universal, which was good because you paid more for them when you go in to kind of do the front of the line. Some of the Disney rides, we still ended up with maybe like a 15 or 20 minute wait, but seemed like it went quickly. Like I feel like anything like 10 to 20 minute wait is super manageable. You kind of keep walking through it, but don't expect to it to mean that you literally walk right on the ride. There's a little bit of a wait time. But one other thing, um, we saw a lot of people doing the solo rider line, which is often shorter than all of it if you want to do the solo rider line. I know though they say, I heard him over the loudspeaker saying, it's not a guarantee that the solo rider line is shorter. So make note of that. But if you're going with adults and you don't care if you sit next to each other or your crew doesn't care, that might be a good way to get on lots of different rides without having to worry about it. Um, the universal, um, front of the line was so good and so worth it. I'm telling you the day was a fortune, but if you're going to travel all that way and get all the way there, you can just do so much more with that universal front of the line. Let's talk next about what to pack, what to wear, strollers, backpack, all that good stuff. So look at the weather ahead of time because I was surprised that in the evenings it actually got chilly, which I wasn't expecting because it's so hot during the day. So look at the weather, of course. I pack everything in one backpack. I do a backpack and a fanny pack. That way the stuff I need to access quickly, my phone, our tickets when we're scanning them, I have in a fanny pack and then the backpack is for everything else. Ideally, your backpack is like half full or 75% full. That way if you pick up things along the way, souvenirs or even like snacks or drinks, you have some room to put it. I have this aloe backpack that is black and it's like kind of a neoprene. So it's stretchy and you can stuff stuff in it. And it's just like super comfortable to wear on the back. I loved it. I brought it every single day. It has a pouch on the side for a water bottle. I brought Parker's Hydro Flask because he's the one that asked me for water the most um, and the littlest. So um, pack for heat during the day. Obviously, check the weather and pack in layers and don't forget to look at the temperature in the evening and know that you might need a sweatshirt um, for the evening time, even if it's so hot during the day. So what to wear, backpack, strollers. So Parker's five. So this was our first time fully out of, I've done Disneyland once without a stroller. This was our first time fully out of strollers. I was in a stroller first, then a double stroller, and then a still a double stroller, and then a single stroller. And now I am stroller free. And I'm telling you, it's so nice if you can go without a stroller because you don't have to worry about parking it and finding it. I find that it takes so much longer to go to the designated stroller spots and then find it. You know, there are, are team members who are constantly moving them and there's thousands of strollers everywhere. So for me, it just seems, saves so much time. But I will say, if you have little kids or especially babies and you have all the stuff, you'll want a stroller to put the stuff in. That's the best thing about a stroller for me. Not only carries the kids, but it carries the stuff. So if you pick up any things along the way or you have kind of, you know, leftover popcorn or all the stuff, it's just so easy to put it in the churro, in the, the churros, I was thinking about churros, in the stroller instead of carrying it all. So that's a big benefit of strollers depending on the age of your kiddos. Um, overall, I think that all the parks that we went to were a really cool, unique experience. For me, going to Magic Kingdom at night was super cool. It was the first time Parker could go on Haunted Mansion, which I think is always more fun to do at night. Um, the Universal Parks 
had such great big roller coasters, like the biggest the biggest roller coasters I've ever been on and upside down roller coasters. There's There was just so much to do. Going into this trip, I wasn't sure because our friends were going to Cabo and relaxing on a beach for the week. And my husband was like, are we really going to the middle of Florida with the heat, with the kids? And I'm like, yes, we are. And in the back of my mind, I was like, is this an awesome idea or a terrible idea? We shall see. But I'm telling you, there's something about family togetherness that it just makes you kind of like, you know, it just makes you all closer. We ended up, we were at um, at the Hyatt Grand Cypress. We started out with two connecting rooms, but we were able to upgrade for really inexpensive to like a suite and then a room. So we had our room and then kind of like a living room in between and then the kids' room. So the whole thing felt really comfortable. We didn't feel on top of each other. I would much rather stay at a less expensive, less fancy hotel and have space than stay at a fancy hotel and everyone be on top of each other and no one have space. And you know, if one person wakes up, everybody, everyone wakes up because we've done it both ways. Sometimes you go and that's the only option in hotels without paying a fortune. Um, so I thought that that, that part worked really, really well. Animal Kingdom was so cool because there's music playing throughout and there's different lands. There's Africa and there's Asia. We ate at Tucker House and they had this really cool Disney character experience inside of Magic Kingdom that I would highly recommend. So it's a buffet and lots of different foods. Um, the food was good. It was, it worked for everyone. It was great because right when you sit down, everyone can just go eat. You can get what you want. And the characters came through throughout. So we saw Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Daisy and Goofy. And it was just really fun for the kids to get up and take pictures and sit down and have dessert. And it was just, it was just easy. The food was good. And it was one of those character experiences that didn't take two hours, but the kids got to see the, checked a lot of boxes, let's say. So I thought that that part was really good. But again, I if I were to go back, I would definitely get a reservation at Magic Kingdom at the Beast Castle at the Be Our Guest restaurant. That looked really, really cool. I would do one of the parks, either stay until the evening or go in the evening just because it changes it up and it's a different experience and um, and just a different environment. And also it can kind of give you a break depending on the stamina of your crew, it's a lot. I was, and also we're coming from California to Florida. So we had the three hour time difference going, um, which was harder on the kids, of course, than us just waking up in the morning. I wanted to get everyone up and out by like 730. So we could be at the park by eight. But realistically, with the time change, and we were having such full days, we got out later than that most days, but it worked. And I think that's really the key that I think going into trips like this is make a whole bunch of plans and then be flexible, right? So I made a bunch of dinner reservations and um, a bunch of, um, I had a bunch of things on my list that we could possibly see. And a lot of them we didn't hit, but that's okay. It was just options. Because for me, I hate to be in a situation where you're kind of like, I mean, if you're a mom listening to this, you go on a trip, you know, you're usually the organizer. Actually, I have friends who the dad is the organizer, so I take that back. But whoever is the organizer, the worst thing ever is you have this, you you have whatever, you're in a situation, you have two hours and everyone's looking at you like, well, where do we go next? And you're like, well, I don't know. 
And it's just so much stress in that moment to try to figure it out. So I like to always have options, have reservations. I make sure I, I set a note so that I cancel if that if we're not going to go to it. Um, but for me, that's what feels good on trips like this. I know it's going to be organized chaos. I know it's going to be crazy. I know the kids are going to eat junk food. But I really try to embrace um, embrace the chaos and embrace what everyone needed. Like I was so bummed. I wanted to push everyone so hard to go to that last Disney park, but I was like, but why? They're so happy going to the hotel. And one thing I'll say about the hotel staying at the um, Hyatt Regency Grand Cypress is they had a movie. So the, the water slide shut down at 6 PM and at 6 PM, a movie starts every single night in the pool. And for me, one of the nights, it was like magical. Little Little Mermaid was on. All three of the kids stayed in the pool most of the time. They would come out and kind of like get in a towel and warm up and snuggle with us and then go back in the pool. And Craig and I like, I read part of my book and Craig and I chatted and we literally laid, you know, as the sun went down on a beach, on a pool chair by the pool um, while the kids were so happy. So for me, I had a dinner planned at Disney Springs with the things and the, you know, with the boat and all that. But that was what ended up being so perfect for that moment. And actually one of my favorite moments of the entire trip. Sometimes those like spontaneous organic moments are the ones that you just don't expect and the ones that are most memorable. It was just like very, very cool the way it kind of all happened. Um, but I loved that idea. Like, I don't know why every single kid's hotel doesn't have a, a water slide and B, a movie in the pool. And it was an actual screen, not like a blow-up screen. So it was like the kids really stayed engaged because it was the, the audio was great and the movie, the movie was great. And of course, it was a Disney movie every night. We saw Lion King another night. And I just love that about it. So I absolutely love the Hyatt Regency Grand Cypress. I can't say enough about it. It was fantastic. And I think that figuring out how to make the trip reasonable because the parks and the the Genie Plus lightning lanes, front of the line pa passes all add up, especially if you have a bigger crew. Like I said, we had seven of us um, for most of the days and then just five of us for some of the days. Um, it really, it really added up. So I like to kind of save on other, save in other ways. A couple other restaurants that I have on my list that I was researching. There's a steakhouse at Epcot in the Canada Pavilion called Lee Cellier, C-E-L-L-I-E-R Steakhouse. It has really, really great reviews. The California Grill in Disney's Contemporary Resort is supposed to be really cool and has full panoramic views of the Magic Kingdom fireworks, kind of like American cuisine. Another one at a Disney hotel, the Disney's Grand Flor Floridian Resort and Spa, which is where we stayed when we went many years ago. Before Parker was born, we flew to Florida, did the Disney parks, and then went on a Disney cruise when the girls were two and three, two and three, three and four two and three, three and four. And it was so much fun. But that was the last time we had been there and never with Parker. But anyways, at that Disney's Grand Floridian, there's Victoria and Albert's, which is a fine dining restaurant, which is considered one of the best restaurants in Florida. Lots of awards and accolades. And it's kind of a modern American cuisine. And they have kind of like course, multi-course menus. So um, that one is a really good one to, to take a look at. And I'm telling you, if you 
are book are if, if you are planning a Florida trip, an Orlando trip, I would do dinner reservations now. That's one thing I didn't realize in booking it, you know, just a few weeks before we went is so many of the restaurants were fully booked. I'm sure we could have walked in and tried to figure it out, but um, some of these, like I said, things are not close to each other. So you don't want to get all the way there and then have it not work. Another thing that another place that I had on my lift list was Tiffin's. It's in Disney's Animal Kingdom and it's like international cuisine. So it's they they say that it's inspired by travels of Disney Imagineers and animal experts. So that one sounds like it's really cool called Tiffin's T-I-F-F-I-N-S. I think some people say you need two days at each park. And I understand that if you're doing all the food and kind of the longer experiences, we didn't do any shows and we didn't do very many sit down full meal experiences. So I can understand. I think that if you're just going to see all the things, if you're strategic about it, I think you could do a park a day really easily and really well and hit most of the rides and all the rides that you want to go on. But I do think if you're going to do, if you want to do shows and more of these dining experiences, then you might need more than one day for each park. Also, keep in mind, you might want to plan for, like I said, half days. It takes a lot, a lot of energy, especially in the heat, to get up early every day, do a park the whole day, get up and do it all over again for many, many days in a row. So when you're planning, just keep that in mind. One other one that I wanted to mention that we didn't go to, um, we have a SeaWorld close to us in San Diego, so that wasn't on our radar, but there's a SeaWorld Orlando um, that has 17 rides, and the rides at our SeaWorld here are really fun, so um, I assume that that one's really great too. There are also some water parks in Florida, which I think would be really fun, especially in the summertime to get out of the really you know humid areas, humid times. Um for us, we didn't have enough days and um, and we have a really good water park by us, Wild River. So that wasn't like, I think if we didn't have a really good, which is new for us. Last summer was the first summer it's been here. Um, but I think if we didn't have a really good water park close by, the kids would have wanted that more. Um, last thing I'll say about planning is ask your people. In the, in the kind of weeks leading up to our trip, once we knew where we were going, well, I guess really the last couple of days, I would put on YouTube videos on the TV in the, um, like as I was making dinner in the family room and I would just have them going. That way the kids could see different parts of Orlando and, and be like, oh, I'm, I want to hit that. I'm like, okay, perfect. I've learned to ask people what they want, what sounds fun, what doesn't. I thought for sure they'd want to go to a water park. But when I asked them, all three of them were like, nah, I'd rather do the other things. Perfect. Okay. I before I thought that I knew what everyone would say, but now I know you have to actually ask everybody because you just never know um, what people want to do and you want to make it so that it's, you know, so that it works for everyone, so that it works for your whole crowd. So those are the three different, the three different types of parks, the Walt Disney World Resort, which has Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and Disney's Animal Kingdom. Then there's Universal Orlando Resort, which has Universal Studios Florida, Islands of Adventure, and Volcano Bay. And then there's SeaWorld Orlando with SeaWorld Orlando and Aquatica. So there's so many parks. I mean, you really, you could really stay for two weeks and be busy every day doing something different. But I know for most people, that's not, that's, I don't think I've ever gone on a two-week vacation. Um, 
and I don't know if I was going on a two-week vacation. If I was going on a two-week vacation to Orlando, I'll tell you exactly what I would do. I would go to Orlando for a week and do all the parks, and then I'd hop over to the Bahamas and have Rancho Relaxo for the next week, and then have half of the trip be a trip, and half of the trip be a via vacation, and come home rested and relaxed. I think we all came home wiped. The time difference, the flying, the go, go, go of it all, so much walking. I think we averaged like 18,000 steps a day. Um, But I'm telling you, it was one of the best trips we've done as a family for like overall family bonding because there's just so much togetherness. And I like that it's not all just like easy, like laying on a beach chair and ordering ordering a daiquiri. I like that it's like, okay, this didn't work out right. This is, it's hot. I I like a little bit of friction because it pulls you together. Like, all right, you guys, how are we going to rally? How are we going to solve this? What are we going to do next? What does everyone want to do? Like, it's just, it's, it's an adventure. And for us, it was really a good adventure. Thankfully, um, there were no rough moments. Everyone got along great, even with the early mornings and the late nights and, you know, the time change and all the different travel and stuff. But I would say 100% look at the Hyatt Regency Grand Cypress for reasonable, awesome rooms. Definitely rent a car. Definitely get the front of the line tickets. That's not something to save money on. I think there are so many other ways to save money, but I think you'll just be able to do so much more every day that you're at the parks. If you do the front of the line, the Genie Plus, the Lightning Lanes, look, get the app going ahead of time. Also, when you're planning it, have an idea of what rides at each park are your top ones. Because all of a sudden you buy Genie Plus and you're looking at it and you're like, oh my God, which one, like, what do I want to make sure we do? Because that's what Genie Plus is so good for when the lines get really long to make sure you're able to get on the rides that you really want to get on. It's the best for it. I'm telling you, we had so much fun in Orlando. It was one of our best family trips. There's just so much to do and so much to explore and so many rides and, and, and restaurants and shops and dessert places and like just so many fun things. So look it up, figure out if you want to stay close to Universal City Walk or Disney Springs, what parks you want to hit, buy your tickets ahead of time, get your dinner reservations, plan and pack really strategically, and you will have the most awesome time. Thank you so much for listening. If you got value from this podcast, which I hope you did always, please screenshot it, share it on your Instagram stories. It really helps our podcast grow and I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for listening and have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast. For more info about today's episode and all past episodes, head over to howtobeawesomeateverything.com where we break it all down. Tell us what you thought of today's topic on Lindsay's Instagram at Lindsay's Cloud. Until next time, go out and be awesome because that's exactly what you are.